2: Going to go to a higher level, we, we have to understand we're at war. That's why First Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, villi- because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Our friend Dr. Jerry Rankin says, our enemy's not a house pet. Well, good morning, church. God is at work in his church. And I love that we get to get in on what he is doing. And what you just witnessed is more changed lives. And that's what happens when we really seek the face of God. He changes things. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I hope this time already today has been an encouragement to you as we come together We are preparing to continue in prayer, but first we want to do a little surgery on our hearts. We want to make sure we understand all that is taking place and really why we've gathered here. So just like what you've seen on the screens, those baptisms, that's a part of our DNA, what we're about to talk about, this reason behind our prayer, that's deep within the DNA of who we are as a church. So I want you to think with me just for a moment. Imagine you were walking and talking with the living Lord Jesus and you were seeing those miracles firsthand. You were hearing his teaching with your own ears. You were watching that healing touch. You sensed his authority and you were one of those who were close to him. What would you ask of him? Imagine that. What would you ask of him? We ask a lot in prayer, but when the disciples had that opportunity, Dr. Luke records that they had a very specific question. Look at this. In Luke 11, 1, it says, now it came to pass, he, that's Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray think about that of all the things they could have asked of Jesus teach us to do that amazing water to wine thing i really think that could be handy jesus or or, or teach us to to heal like you heal or, or jesus when you speak everybody just stops and listens teach us to talk like you, but they watched and they saw that the power that came from Jesus, his influence, his impact on the world had something to do with this time that he would spend alone with the Father. And and they would see that throughout the entire three years of his ministry. In fact, even in his last days, those closest to him would see that when he really needed assistance, he would go to the garden and pray. That's the context for which we get one of the most familiar passages in all the Bible. We call it the Lord's Prayer, maybe more appropriately called the Model Prayer. But like Psalms 23, that passage we've just spent a lot of time studying, a lot of people know this passage of Scripture. I'm going to go out on a limb here. We spent five weeks. It was one of my favorite times as a preacher in Psalm 23. If you were here, we really dug in deep. Do you know it? If so, let's say it together. If not, I'm going to be saying it by myself. Don't make that the case, okay? Let's say it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not worship. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you give yourself a hand and give God praise for his perfect word? I think of Psalm 23. I think of John 3:16, the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule. But then we have the Lord's Prayer. It's not real long, just 56 words. Put that in perspective. The Gettysburg Address has 266 words. The Ten Commandments, 297 words. The Declaration of Independence, 300 words. And recently, the government established an order setting the price of cabbage, and it has 26,911 words. So Jesus accomplished a lot in just a few words, but I'm not sure we're grasping it. In fact, as I grew up, I memorized the Lord's Prayer, but I didn't recite it most often in a spiritual context. Do you know when I recited it? It's hard to believe in our culture today, but it was at the Little League ball fields we would all gather there on the baseball diamond and us little leaguers, we'd put our hands in the middle and we would recite the Lord's prayer. And when we got to amen, we were ready to go win. That's not really the context of what this prayer is supposed to be about. So I, I really do look forward to diving into it. But when Jesus was asked that question, he said, okay, pray in this manner. Or, or as it says in Matthew chapter six, in this manner, therefore pray you're going to see the words on the screen would you say it together with me reading it along from Matthew 6 our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But as I'm going to show you, this really isn't a passage to be read. It's a prayer to be prayed. So I want us to stand and I want to pray once more. And when I get to the end of my time leading us in prayer I'm going to invite you to join me in praying that model that the Lord taught us and I think it'll be clear now I have to tell you remember I learned this as a child and I can't change something that's hardwired in my mind so I can only pray this in the old King Jamie version so some of you might know that but let's pray together father what a sweet time we've already had just praising you for who you are seeking to get right but, Lord, we need more of you. We need you to meet us here. We're going to bring the deep needs of the world to you. And then we're going to look back in and bring our personal request to you. So, Lord, we just want to make sure we understand this. We want to communicate with you with passion. But, Lord, we want it to be with purity of our heart and mind. So, Lord, as we spend a few minutes in your word, would you give us that which we don't have? Would you... Would you teach us those things we, we don't know that we need to learn and would you make us men and women, boys and girls that we've not yet become so that we might leave this place changed for your glory. And Lord, we know in addition to your word the greatest avenue for doing that is just communicating with you in prayer. So Father, teach us to pray. Jesus, even as you taught and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I have a strong conviction that we need to take prayer to a higher level. We need to do that individually. We need to do that as a church. And we need to do that because prayer can do anything that God can do. So I, I want to, in my personal life, I want to, as pastor of this church, I, I want to see us take prayer to a higher level, but I would suggest to you that I think we must see prayer go to a higher level. And all I need to do is, is look at the chaos and the conflict in the world. I was reading again this week, Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about what it looks like before he comes. And do you know what he says he looks like? Just listen to this. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, well, there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars and there's going to be brothers fighting against brothers and all kind of hatred and division. And maybe you could substitute political conflict and racial conflict. And people are going to be upset about whether or not to wear a mask or whether or not to be vaccinated. And then he said there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be floods. I'm just telling you. I look at our world and on one side, I get excited because I think we can't help but be getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And and yet then I look and I realize, oh, we who have the truth, we must constantly be going to a higher level of prayer because we desperately need him. And then I think about our church, and it's exciting times in our church, but it's a critical season. I mean, we are a unique church around the land. Sixty-seven nations gather when we gather to worship, and people of all generations gather when we gather to worship, and we're on three different campuses. And did you know, last weekend, I got so excited because at our six-mile campus on Friday night, we were feeding homeless, and people were getting saved. And on this campus on Friday night, we were celebrating recovery with that wonderful ministry and lives were being changed. And all the while at our Lake Carroll campus on Friday night, we were having a Hispanic service and God was at work. And I'm just thinking, man, these are exciting times. And and so we're looking to do some big things. Some of you seen the pictures that we've shown of of going next door in our worship center and just gutting that thing and flipping it and creating a whole new way to gather as a church, really repositioning this campus to position our church to reach all of Tampa Bay and touch the world. These are exciting times, but we're not going to do this without going to a higher level of prayer. I think this is what the Apostle Paul was reminding us about in Ephesians 6. So really, as we prepare to look at the Lord's prayer, the model prayer, Matthew 6, I I want us to, to look at why we pray as described in Ephesians 6. Now, you remember Ephesians 6 because you're thinking about the armor of God, that, that belt of truth and that breastplate of righteousness and those shoes of the gospel of peace and, and that shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the, the sword of the Spirit. You, you remember uh, the armor of God that we put on when we pray. But before we even get to that, the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, he really tells us why prayer is so important. Listen to what he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Oh, friends, prayer, prayer does some big things that you need to understand I think this will help motivate you to take prayer to a higher level. First, prayer helps us develop a, a worshipful perspective. As, as Paul begins this section, he says to them, hey, remember who you're praying to. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How often do we get consumed with the things of this world and we take our eyes off of the one who can have all the impact we need? That's why praise is so important in prayer. That's why we always begin with praise. Praise does two things. Praise pleases God because the Bible says he is enthroned. Listen to what that literally means in Psalms. You've often heard it quoted as he inhabits the praise of his people. It literally says he's enthroned. So God sits on his thrones. And when you praise him, he just says, bring it on. Just give me some more. Oh, I like it. Just give me some more. And we can relate to that because we understand when people say nice things about us, we're like, stop it, stop it, stop it some more praise is. So I don't think you practice that enough. So remember, I told you you're going to stretch. Some of you are like me. You I mean, you kind of grew up in an old Baptist church where you were the frozen chosen. And man, if somebody next to you says, amen, you start breaking out in hives because you're just not comfortable with that. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I'm trying to explain it because some of you are not going to understand it. I'm going to have to keep saying it, but we're going to praise God out loud. All right. So. I'm just going to encourage you. We're just going to take about 30 seconds and do this. Just, But praise is just telling God, I love you just because of who you are. I love you maybe because of your grace or your mercy. Or I love you because you're always here or because you're so powerful. You're so big, God. All of these things we say about God. So I'm going to start saying that. But as I start talking... Again, what what you're going to do is you're going to do this out loud too because God inhabits, he is enthroned in the praise of his people. You got it? This means yes. All right, let's do it. Let's just praise the Lord. God, you are good. You're worthy. You're faithful. You're all-knowing. You're ever-present. You are all-powerful. God, you're worthy of all the worship. You're worthy of this gathering. And God, even though sometimes we're uncomfortable expressing how much we love you, you are good. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just give him praise right now? I, I want you to understand something. I love this quote by Lloyd Ogilvy. He says, the desire to pray is a result of God's greater desire to talk to us. So really, if you begin to understand who God is, the magnitude of that draws you to him and you just want to pray, you have the right perspective. How's your perspective today? Are you overwhelmed by these things of the world, by everything that's taking place around you? Or or do you see the Lord and the power of his might? Do you understand that the God who hung the sun in the heaven that rose all around the world today, he created you and he loves you. That same God that scooped out the gulf that was been churning the last few weeks and that baptized me time and time again as I was baptizing others in that video. Our God made that and he made you. The God that shaped the Rockies and the Appalachian Mountains and the highest peaks of the world. He knows the peaks and the valleys in your life. And he's worthy of your praise. Praise gives us that worshiping perspective but but see this second thing praise helps us maintain a warring position we not only see god for who he is we see things for how they really are it's not a cakewalk life for the follower of christ is not a playground it's a battlefield That's what it says in verse 12. Did you see it? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. And he begins by saying, we wrestle. Now later he's going to talk about standing and fighting, but here he's saying we wrestle. Why? Because when you wrestle, that is intimate. I mean, you are up close and in person. And some of you feel that. You feel the spiritual battle around you. It's it's in your face. It's almost palpable. And you, you understand that this is not just the things of this world. Something is bigger than this today. If you haven't experienced that, man... Kind of makes me wondering what's going on spiritually because this is God's Word. So either you believe it or you don't. And if this is true, then this is saying those problems that you have, all of those are not human problems, some of those are spiritual in nature. And he tells us who the author of that is. It's the devil. And he's named all kinds of ways in Scripture. He's called the accuser. He's called our adversary. He's called the slanderer. He's called a liar. He's called the father of lies, a murderer, a tempter, a serpent. He's even called the prince of the air. But as if that's not enough, if what Paul is saying is true, if the Bible is true, there are spiritual forces beyond just the devil at work and they're even categorized. Did you see that? He gives us four categories. There's principalities, there's powers, there's rulers, there's spiritual hosts. Do you understand that some of the troubles you're having in this life, you're having because of the spiritual things that are taking place around us? Our problems are not primarily at a human level, they're at a spiritual level. He begins with word principalities I want you to think about what that literally means it means the prince of a locality and so scripturally what he's implying is is in addition to the devil he's got like these lieutenants and these sergeants and these others all around that are seeking to destroy that are wreaking havoc And we see that outlined in Scripture. This is going to blow some of your mind. Remember the story of Daniel. Now, what is Daniel known for? He's known for being a godly man, a godly young boy that prayed three times a day. But because he prayed, we see in Daniel chapter 10 that God communicated back to him. That's what prayer is. It's not just talking to God. God speaks back to you. And God, in in Daniel chapter 10, sent Daniel a messenger, a spiritual messenger. And listen to what it says in verse 12. Then he said to me, this is the messenger that he sent to Daniel. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. I just got to stop there because that's kind of exciting to me. If I believe God's word is true and I believe it sets forth a pattern for prayer, then the implication is when I cry out to God with my needs, just like the psalmist says, he sets his angels as guards over me God's spiritual beings are there to help me but notice what it says in verse 13 the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days so this is an angel saying to Daniel in this vision hey I'm here I got your back but it wasn't easy because the prince of Persia well who's the prince of Persia the principality a spiritual being now why am I saying this because we need to go to a higher level And if we're going to go to a higher level, you've got to understand the warring posture. You should be able to, anyone in the world should understand what this means today. This is not political, but just look at the facts. Look at what happened in Afghanistan when our nation changed the warring posture. Lives are lost. Sacrifices are made because you're no longer in a warring posture. Did you know that Tampa Bay used to be known around the world as the Bay of the Holy Spirit? That was a name for Tampa Bay. Now it's one of the top sexual destinations in the world. It's one of the top places for human trafficking in the world. Principalities. If we're going to go to a higher level, we... We have to understand we're at war. That's why First Peter says, be sober, be vigilant villi- because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Our friend Dr. Jerry Rankin says our enemy's not a house pet who likes to nip at our heels. He's not even satisfied with trying to trip us up with temptation and occasional trivial sin. He seeks our total destruction. That's why John Piper says that prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church. As it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief, prayer gives us the significance of frontline forces, and it gives God the glory of limitless provider.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement